0: The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Vavi Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Ray. You are listening to a least worst
1: of The Doctor Is In. We have no best of, but this is truly one of our least worst. Nice to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In.
2: You have always been a voice of reason through all of this.
1: Appreciate your time, what you're doing for America. I give you advice, and it doesn't work at all. You are definitely not inept by any means. I like to hear women say that about me.
3: Whatever advice you're going to send my way, I am 100% taking it.
1: I can't tell you what to do. I will not tell you what to do.
3: Okay. Well, thanks. That
1: wasn't the answer I wanted. Are you kidding me? Great stuff, Dr. Ray. Glad I called. I've scheduled my day around listening to your radio show. (laughs) Don't have to
0: laugh so hard. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Manifesting toxic sensitivity
1: host, Y2K man, connecting, sharing, emoting, willing to interface, well, actually, inter-ear. On the doctor is in. That's what this program is, Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock Eastern time, coming to you and you coming to it. If you'd like to be part of it, it's real simple, much, much more simple than I had to pursue to be part of it. I had to beg and grovel and plead, and they finally said, okay, and then I ble- pled and groveled and pleaded more. And No, they, they were very good about this all the way back, Ave, way, way back, and then they cooperated so much with EWTN, and we bring the program to you through the cooperation of those two wonderful entities. The number 877 573 7825 877 57 equal if you would like to call with a question about something in your life a helpful suggestion for somebody else a generally helpful suggestion People have been calling in with stuff like that and more or less saying, hey, this is what I did when I was a mother. This is what I did when I was a spouse. This is what I did to deal with this difficult person. This is what I did to make my life better. This is what I did to walk closer to Christ. Anything like that, you people are a treasure trove of really good stuff. And besides that, I'm finishing up my latest book, and I don't have any other book in my mind So I'm going to need you to spur me on with good material, 877-57-EQUAL. That is the number to call to get in the program. I've been noticing that a lot of ladies do all kinds of fancy stuff with their nails. I mean, really really fancy stuff. It's not just the old days where people just kind of clear-coated their nails. They, oh, no, they. I mean, they paint the Mona Lisa on them, etc. I noticed this. Or maybe they print out letters on each nail that says something and you have to hold up all 10 nails to know the code. And I know women use fragrances to be more appealing. But the problem is the ladies use perfumes that that smell like flowers you know guys are not into flowers that much i'm marketing i'm planning on it i haven't really gotten the financial backing yet but i am planning a series a series of perfumes for women that would be more appealing to men Uh, my newest one is called new car interior then I've got axle grease and uh, ball field dust so I think those are you know three cents that would indeed make a person more attracted All right, let me see what my I had this year where was it here uh... oh yeah that's what it was at night my wife and I will frequently relax on the recliner and we'll pick out a series that we think is informative or entertaining, and <clears throat> we'll watch. I, okay, she doesn't. I do, and then she, she, she kind of looks at me like Ray. What are you doing? Quit, quit being a psychologist. But the dialogue. Most recent series we watched involved the FBI. The particular law enforcement officers. A good percentage of the time, did something that I've talked about on this program that parents do. Example: Okay, we need to uh, need to set up a perimeter, a one-mile-out perimeter. Okay, you uh, best follow up on uh, that that lead. Okay, I noticed. That after giving an instruction or a command, a good percentage of the time, the word okay followed it. I don't know why that is. I don't think that would be written into the actual script. My guess would be that the actors and the actresses are just sort of trying to look more conversational about this. Now, parents will come into my office, and they will want to make some changes. They won't like the way things are happening in their home. So we will talk about setting up some rules and setting the child down and explaining the new rule to the child and what the parent's going to do, calm, even tempered. And then I have to warn the parents, when you explain your new rule to Butkus. Don't say, okay. Don't say, all right. Don't say, do you understand? You're not asking him if it's okay. My theory is that as the New and enlightened, psychologically correct way to interact with children has taken deep, deep root the last 30, 40, 50 years in our family culture. Everybody wants to be nicer. And that's good. you got, you got to be nicer. I don't have any argument with that. You don't want to be a dict- dictator. As a matter of fact, good disciplinarians are among the nicest of people because they don't yell and scream and argue and debate and get frustrated. But somehow, When you tag okay on the end of something you're telling someone to do, be it a child or be it an FBI agent, it makes it sound, I guess, like this is all just a joint cooperation. I didn't order you to set up a perimeter one mile out. I told you, and then I kind of told, tagged on, I, I hope you agree. Now, some might say, oh, come on, Ray, you're getting way carried away with this okay thing. Some might say, well, they're just asking if that's possible. Well, obviously, it's not po- It's not, not possible because they told him to do it. But I noticed that just, just recently. It started hitting me, and I started paying attention, and I noticed that people in authority giving some kind of instruction or direction to someone not at their level of authority a percentage of the time tacked on okay. I guess that's supposed to make it more democratic, more let's all just cooperate here, I guess. But I will tell you, Pay attention to parents, especially for the younger kids. And "okay" has become an addendum in their instructions. Uh, Get—we're getting ready to leave, Johnny. Get your coat, okay? Hey, you need to tell Grandma thank you for the pie that she gave you, okay? Hey, we're getting into the car. Getting into the car now, and I need get your seatbelt on, okay? Notice it. It is there. It is pervasive. Well, uh, I'm looking at the clock here, and I am going to take a break. Okay?
4: What kind of a god do you
3: have? Don't say my god. It's your god, too. Don't give them to us. We have enough troubles with our own god. But there's only one god. All the advice, none of the bills. Come in. The doctor is in.
0: Hi, this is Mike Aquilino with a few words about St. John Chrysostom. St. John Chrysostom is probably the most famous Christian preacher in all of history. His name, which is really a nickname, Chrysostom, means golden mouth. It was given to him because of his preaching. People went to Mass just to hear him preach. St. John Chrysostom was a hero, and he taught us how to speak the truth, but also how to live by that truth, even if we're called to live it heroically. It's been nine presidential elections that I've been on the air and I've been watching Christians engage the culture around us. And almost every campaign year, candidates urge us to take back America. This is about as tired a phrase as you can find. And yet with each election, the command to take back America reappears. We seem to think that America's problem that we have to correct is go back to a different idea of the budget or a different foreign policy or new regulatory reform. I'd argue that America's biggest problem is this act of idolatry that has allowed us to turn the emphasis on ordered liberty into a preoccupation with personal and individual autonomy. I'd go further and say that any attempt to take back America or make America great again that does not attack the idolatry of individual autonomy is doomed to failure.
4: Cresta in the afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on
1: EWTN Radio.
3: You are listening to The Least Worst Of The Doctor Is In with Dr. Ray Garendi, so please no calls at this time. Why
1: 2 Ray ready. no new age stuff here, mostly middle age and beyond. Good to have you with me. Real nice to have you with me, my compatriots there in Ann Arbor, and a crew check the producer man and the very bored operator. I said he wouldn't be so bored if he listened a little more closely. Maybe he'd find something interesting in it. But he is the bored operator, and Eric Dumont calls Screamer. You talk to Eric generally when you first call, as did Linda from Nebraska, and she put this. She put this so well. She, there's the there's the hint of psychospeak if if Eric put this down pretty much verbatim, as Linda said it, she said her six year old grandson has trouble working through his emotions. Now that sounds like something, Linda, that a psychologist would say. Linda.
5: Hi, Doctor
1: Ray. Er, there you go. All right. Did you use that phrase? Work, work? Did you use that phrase working through his emotions? I did. Okay. All right. Well, what makes Probably you think? Because
5: I listen to you a lot. <laughs> well, what
1: what makes you think that um, his emotions are the problem here?
5: Well, I've had some pretty long conversations with my daughter about. What's going on? And she actually said the same thing that he gets upset about something, and when he gets upset, he escalates quite quickly into um, whatever behavior. Is it's pretty wild, not, huh? Not acceptable.
1: Does yeah. he does he throw things? Does he kick things? Does he scream and yell? What's he well, do?
5: Sometimes he will um do things physically, but most of the time it's um crying a
1: uh-huh.
5: uh, little bit of yelling
1: okay He uh six he just, is he in is, is he, he in first grade is he in first grade
5: he's um yes I believe kindergarten or first grade
1: okay so if if he is in, if he's in kindergarten or heading into the first grade, he's had a year of schooling, I guess, is what I'm getting at. He's had a year of schooling, He has right? had it, yes, yes. Okay. And I, I would imagine that the school people have called your daughter consistently and said, yeah, we're just having trouble controlling him because whenever he doesn't get what he wants, he just melts down.
5: Well, actually, last year, he had a different teacher. Oh. And so our our thought is that that teacher knew how to calm him down or deal with whatever the frustration was so that it didn't escalate.
1: Well, that's very nicely put, Linda. That's very nicely put on your part. But what I was getting at is he doesn't do this for his teacher. He does it for his mom.
5: Oh, um, actually, this year it's happening in school, and that's where our concern is. When When they have it happen at home, they give him consequences, which they know will make him think, and then he will stop.
1: Well, well, okay. He'll he'll stop in the middle of the fit, or he'll the fit will burn itself out, and then it'll be a while till the next one.
5: I would say that yes, it 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 de escalates when they give him an ultimatum, and okay. um, then he's fine.
1: I'm going to give hit. you, all right. I'm going to give you the, the ratio here, Linda. First of all, one of the things that developmentally you could look at is that emotional tirades, and and certainly I would suspect. I don't know your grandson, but I suspect there's nothing wrong with his emotions. He just lets them loose too freely and too often. Um, one of the developmental aspects of emotional tirage is that they are typical of two- and three-year-olds. When you have a six-year-old or a nine-year-old or a 15-year-old doing this, and there are plenty now, it generally, I'd say, I'm going to go so far as to say 90% of the time, the parents are underestimating what they need to do. Many who come to my office think, well, we discipline, we put consequences on him, and he just continues to do this. And almost always, Linda, when we talk, I find out that, oh, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Uh, Typically, they'll follow through maybe. Or what is most often the way it is, is that their consequences are really not uh, heavy enough. Here's a six-year-old who's throwing a temper fit. When he doesn't get his way. I mean, that's what we're dealing with. Well, it sounds like from what you're saying anyway And you say but he's now doing it at school Uh, Not too surprising because two things one If he runs up against a weak disciplinarian teacher now my guess would be the teacher last year uh, You said was better at calming him down. My guess would be he probably didn't do much of that for that teacher That'd be my guess so, because if he, gets on, if he gets on a roll, you know you can't calm him down. He's on a roll. So, that's Indeed. the first thing. Now, this teacher this year may not be as, I don't want to say strict, as, as confident, as firm, a disciplinarian, and he reads that. So, he's pushing on this person. That's one. And two, he's mm-hmm. getting a little older. And when you get older and you do this at home, It starts to trickle into other places. Starts to trickle into grandma. Starts to trickle into babysitters. It starts to trickle maybe uh, playing sports. School. Now, most of the time, and that was the reason I asked you that question. Most of the time, they don't do this at school at age 6 or age 8 or even age 10, 12. They don't do it at school. It's a dynamic between the parent and the kid. Now, this is not to say your daughter's doing anything wrong. I, I suspect she's not. It's to say she probably needs to tell your little grandson. For example, what's his name? You want to make it up? It's,
5: uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> okay, Johnny. Well, I'll call him Johnny.
5: Johnny?
1: Little, there little go. Johnny. She'll tell little Johnny, you know, Johnny, you're way too big to act like that when something doesn't go the way you want it. Way too big. You're six. Here's what we're going to do. When you throw a fit like that, the next five things you ask for are going to be no. And if you throw a fit because you heard the no, then we just start over. If I find out from your teacher that you did this to your teacher, when you come home that night, you're going to go to bed early. You're not going to be allowed to go outside. I'm going to write down a letter of apology to your teacher and you're going to copy it. And you're not going to have any privileges at all. Now, that's what we're going to do. Now, if you want to melt down like that, just know what's going to happen. Typically, that knocks it out almost completely within a few weeks. Almost completely. Okay. What's happening? Linda, there's no pathology here in all likelihood. Here's a little guy that's just... My guess would be if I talk to your daughter, my guess would be she gets frustrated with his behavior because it isn't just the meltdowns. That he's kind of chronically sort of defiant, he argues he wants his way, she negotiates with him, she tries to calm him down is is that somewhat what's going on I think I think it
5: was that way um he's as he's gotten older, he's gotten a little better, but it's just certain things that trigger him like he might be really, really good for her, and then Something happens that he, for whatever reason, gets upset
1: about. Oh, that's okay. That's right. He's allowed to get upset. He's not allowed to throw a fit. We don't have to find necessarily the reasons behind his fit, especially if there's no rhyme or reason to him. You think, wow, yesterday he had this exact same thing happen. He didn't get upset. Today he got upset. What's going on? Mm -hmm. So... Most of the time, it's just uh, unknown factors. He's sleepy or he's hungry or he's had a rough, I don't know, just a whole bunch of stuff. But it isn't anything that you necessarily have to find. You more or less have to say, whatever it is that is at the root of this unpredictable outbursts, this is what we're going to do. That's... Strongly what I would suggest. I have a book called Discipline That Lasts a Lifetime. It deals with temper tantrums. It deals with parental consistency. It deals with all kinds of stuff. It's on my website. Uh, If she doesn't have it, I think it would help her an awful lot. All righty? Okay.
5: Thank you, Linda. Thank you you so much. I'll
1: talk to you. Uh Bye. Bye. Now, do you see what I just did? I did it unconsciously, and as soon as it was coming out of my mouth... It's like, it's like one of those when you're in a dream and slow motion comes out of your mouth and whoa, and you want to pull it back. Do you know what I did? When I said to Linda, I said something about, and I went, alrighty, righty, which was really a version of okay. I know. I wasn't monitoring me close enough in that. Some might object. Some might say, Dr. Ray, all you're doing is you're putting a stop To his unruly meltdowns that's all you're doing you're not teaching him to behave well you're not teaching him the reasons behind why he should behave well my first of all my answer to that is I have no doubt that this little guy's mom has done this I'm sure she's explained to him herself blue in the face on all this she's tried to instruct him she's tried to compromise and negotiate she's tried to do all that did you hear what linda said she said yes she used to do that but now it's getting out of control and that's typically what happens you you begin when they're younger saying okay let's all just get along i'll distract you i'll explain to you i'll reason with you and then and then you'll all calm down as you get older but then that doesn't happen and then he's bigger and the fits are a little more intense and sometimes they're a little more frequent instead of fading they get more And so you got to stop them because it's very difficult to teach when an individual is completely capable at any time of vehemently rejecting your teaching through an outburst. Think about this. You're in a marriage, and you're trying to tell your spouse how you feel about something. And you you can pretty well predict that if you tell your spouse this, there's going to be a fight. It's going to get angry. It's going to be defensive. Well, unless those stop, it's very difficult to get your point across. Same thing with little kids. When they got the ability to melt down, why wouldn't they?
4: Award winning EWTN TV and radio host Michael O'Neill has written a new book based on his popular series, They Might Be Saints. This latest EWTN publishing release introduces you to some of this country's greatest blesseds and venerables. From an explorer priest, To the U.S. Bishop of All Media and a former slave turned successful businessman, this book is filled with the unique stories and achievements of exceptionally inspired men and women. Discover how some of the holiest Americans in history can transform your faith life. They Might Be Saints, the latest release from EWTN Publishing. Now available at EWTNRC.com or call 1-800-854-6316. That's EWTNRC.com or call 1-800-854-6316.
6: Who is responsible for the death of Jesus? The Catholic Catechism emphatically states that neither the Jews of Jesus' time nor the Jews of our time should be considered rejected or accursed as a consequence of the Lord's Passion. Not all the Jews in the religious hierarchy were opposed to him. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea were two prominent men who were secret disciples. The Acts of the Apostles notes that many priests were obedient to the faith and some belonged to the party of the Pharisees. St. James reported to St. Paul that many thousands believed in the Lord and were also zealous for the law. The religious authorities were not in unanimity as to what to do with Jesus. The Pharisees threatened excommunication to his followers. The Sanhedrin, having declared him a blasphemer but without power to execute, turned him over to the Romans as a political anarchist. The Catechism cautions we must leave judgment as to the participants in Jesus' trial to God alone. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism.
4: The Doctor is in with Dr. Ray we will commence now. We assure you that this randomly selected program is one of Dr. Ray's least worst.
1: One comedian said, speaking of wasted words, he says, we use words like awesome and wonderful. Like their candy, we do. Awesome! Oh, she's awesome! Oh, that was awesome! Oh, it was amazing! We use the word amazing to describe a fast food sandwich. What are you going to have left when your first kid's born? How will you describe the joy of this first child? You've already used amazing on a sandwich. You've already used awesome on a trip. It's an awesome, it's an awesome trip. Awesome trip. Oh, it's an awesome restaurant, oh man it's a it was wildly awesome. See then you got to start adding adjectives because awesome doesn't do it amazingly awesome. I just how do you describe God? I've already used up my big words on a bike riding trip a sandwich, a car oh. Oh, we just—oh, we just—we just bought a 2023. I'll tell you what—it is incredible, wildly, wildly amazing. Well, okay. What do I—what do I say about God? Yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty good up there. I, I sure like God. Let's go to Sarah from Lincoln, Lincoln, Nebraska. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Dr. Ray. How are you, my dear? Good.
2: How are you? Thanks for taking my call.
1: Oh, you're more than welcome. You sound like a very young mother.
2: (laughs) I have three little kids. Three Um, little ones, My oldest is five in kindergarten. My youngest is
1: eight months. Have you you, uh, crossed the threshold of getting abuse now from people? Not yet. No. Nobody. Your doctor isn't bringing out the uh, pamphlets to tell you how to uh, control your births. You having other people go? You really have your hands full. You have. You run that I do yet? get the handful. I do okay.
2: get the handful. Mm-hmm. Comment a lot.
1: You got to just tell them. No, I'm planning on more. This is nothing. This is just a good start. That's all this is. I'm just getting practice. Oh, my husband says that all the time. People are say what are you going to
2: have 12 kids and he's like why stop there?
1: <laughs> Good for him. See that but you know <laughs> notice that comment that is abusive. I ah, sh- that shouldn't say abusive that's too strong a word. But that is mm-hmm. uh what's the word I'm looking for it's um it's a commentary. You know, well, are, are you going to stop? In other words, you've got enough now, Sarah. You've got 3 <laughs> And I'm going to assume yep. that you have a boy and a girl in that bunch? We have two boys and a girl. There you go. You've got your boy and your girl. Now stop it. You're, al- you're allowed to have three children if the first two are girls or the first two are boys. But other than that, <laughs> that's it now. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, honey. i just having some fun with this whole we can abuse loving committed mothers in our culture well where's this disagreement coming from
2: so um my husband and i are kind of struggling with our five-year-old now who just started kindergarten this year um and we usually agree on when to punish Uh, well we almost always agree on when to punish it's like the intensity of the punishment um, is when we disagree and I'm just gonna use the example of today <laughs> um, but so he our five-year-old showed me some disrespect before school today and it was pretty bad and and after talking about it with my husband um, my husband thinks that when he comes home from school that he should go to his room and stay in his room until supper time, and then after supper time, go to go to bed for the night. And okay. I I am feeling like that's too intense for a five year old. And, and what do
1: you think it'll do to your son? What kind of damage? I don't know. Okay. There's two. It comes down to a couple of things, Sarah. One. You said he was extremely disrespectful. He didn't, he didn't say something like, Mom, oh, I'm stomping. And he didn't just do that. He'll, apparently there was an argument. And he got kind of snooty in this argument. So he was really disrespectful. Yeah. And your husband is yeah. saying, We're going to stop this kind of disrespect. It's not going to happen. And so therefore, uh-huh. I'm going to give him a consequence he's going to feel. Now, you're not putting it in, in the backyard chained to a tree. You sent him to his room. Okay. He's probably got all kinds of stuff in there. He's got the side by side refrigerator freezer. He's got the Disney World roller coaster ride. He's got eighty two stuffed animals. This is not exactly isolation to Upper Siberia. So your husband says this is what I want to do. And you're saying, No, no, I think you'll hurt him. Okay. Well, if if go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead. You, you jump in here. No,
2: I I I just feel like at five years old, then like an hour would suffice. It would still hurt, but it wouldn't be all night. That he doesn't get any time at home outside of school.
1: Sarah, does your husband love your children? Yes, very is he much. Good, is he a good daddy? He is a good dad. So are you saying to him... I don't like your discipline. You need to stop it because I think you're excessive. <laughs> what would
2: you say?
1: Well, how will you decide in the future? I mean, he's a loving daddy. He wouldn't hurt your kid. You know, you you didn't say he's going to come home and he's just going to wail on his backside. You didn't say that. You said he's going to send him to his room, come out to eat, and go back to bed. Because he probably goes to bed at 7 o'clock anyway. So it's not exactly that long. He's in his bedroom. All right. Nope. He's not. He's not even... In a fruit cellar. Okay, he's in his bedroom. So given that, your husband says, I don't want him doing that to you. And I'm going to put a consequence on him that he's going to feel. And you say, well, if I had my choice in this, I wouldn't do that. Okay, but I'll tell you something that worked very well for my wife and I. Very, very well. At one point, Sarah, our ten children... We're 12 and under. Can you imagine the chaos in a house with 10 kids, 12 and under? We had a rule to avoid discipline differences. The rule was this. The parent who invokes the discipline rules. If I come home and I said, I want to take Andrew with me to basketball. And my wife said, no, no, he... uh, Today, he gave me a lot of trouble over his schoolwork. He's not gone. He's gone to bed early. Now, I want him to go to basketball with me. It's cool. It's daddy, daddy kid time. But my wife said no. She rules. And that works very well for us. Because if you start arguing about discipline now, then there's going to be so many opportunities for you to say, well, I wouldn't do that. And he says, well, I would. And you say, I wouldn't. I would. As long as he's not abusive or nasty or over-the-top, and it doesn't sound like he is, then his discipline is just more strict than yours. That's the best way to put it.
4: Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I Can't Get No Satisfaction is a popular song, but it could be a summary of our life on earth. In the book of Genesis, we hear that we're made in the image and likeness of God. That means that we can know the truth and we can choose to do good to others. We can love. It comes to fulfillment in the Sermon on the Mount where we hear these beatitudes. It's the standard of the Christian life. Jesus tells us that if we hear what he says and do what he tells us to do, We will be like wise people who build our house on solid rock. But we make progress towards happiness and blessedness by our actions, and it starts with our interior disposition, what we want to choose. Do you and I hunger and thirst for those things that will lead us to happiness and to God? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied.
2: For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com.
4: Christ is the answer with Father John Ricardo.
0: Here's the new challenge. At least one hour a week in front of the Blessed Sacrament with the goal of an hour a day in front of the Blessed Sacrament. I had a guy come up to me and he says, Father, you know, I'm doing a lot of things. I'm, I'm in a men's fellowship. I pray with my wife every day. I go to Mass every Sunday and, and usually a couple times during the week. I read scripture. He goes, I want more. I said, do you pray in front of the Blessed Sacrament? He said, outside of Mass, no. I said, I think that's the more. See all these saints, these are the ones who surround us, these are the ones who ran before us, these are the ones who fought well, who kept the faith. They would tell you, as would every single saint in heaven right now, you cannot run this race if you don't spend time with the master. Whatever else we're doing, it's second, third, and fourth. First things need to be first. And The first thing is to be with the master, and the master is Jesus.
1: By the way, heading to Billings, Montana. Next week, Monday, Tuesday night, going to be taping Living Right with Dr. Ray at their local Catholic high school. You want information on how to be in the audience, go to BillingsCatholicRadio.com, where you can register to be in the audience for EWTN, Living Right with Dr. Ray, 13th season tapings. I've already got stuff planned with our audience. It's a lot of fun. Love to have you there. If you want to stay for both shows, we feed you in between. A lot of people come for all, all four shows, believe it or not. They come for the first one. They go, boy, I had so much good time. I want, to, I want to stay. And we love to have you stay. Bigger the audience, the better. BillingsCatholicRadio.com to register. Just a few more comments before I go to Ray on that call. A couple of things. It's not unusual for young parents to come into my office and there'll be differences in the discipline style. I mean, humans are different. We're different in our personalities, we're different in our tolerance level, we're different in our emotional trip switch. We're all we're just different. It's not unusual to approach kids differently with discipline. Well, if if for example, the wife says, "I'm just I just I get a little nervous. He, he seems kind of intimidating." I said, well, will he hurt the children? Oh, no, no, no. He's an extremely loving father. Will, will he get carried away? Will he scream? No, no, he doesn't do that. So what are you saying? Well, I, I just wish he would, I think he would just discipline softer. And I'll say, so you want him to discipline more like you? And they look at me, and they don't know what to make of that. And then they go, Yeah. I go, well, is he a woman? No, I don't think so. I I mean, I don't want to gender assume, but I don't think so. Well, then, allow him to be a man with the strength and authority of a good daddy. Good daddy. I mean, we used to understand that dads were stricter than moms. And that's not so much the case anymore. But it used to be a general observation. Dads are more strict than moms. Moms are more willing to negotiate, to talk it through, to talk it out, to remind, to try to settle it out, where dads are more likely to say, that's enough, sit down, end of story. So, in situations like this, if you just think that the discipline is more than I would do, because that's why I asked, that's why I asked our caller, I said, do you think it'll damage your son? Because that's a lot of times what's at the bottom of this. Well, is it going to psychologically damage him? And she said no. Okay. So then it's just... Oh, see? There's that okay again. It's just a matter of different consequences. My wife was a stricter disciplinarian than I am. Believe it or not. She had to be. She had to be. She homeschooled all the kids. At one
0: point, all of them.
1: She was really good at knowing all kinds of stuff, too. When When you're monitoring... 80 courses you you get to know a lot of stuff and because of that she had to be a little less negotiable about things i didn't challenge it she's she's mom she's there she she said andrew's gone to bed early tonight and i'm thinking to myself yeah but we were gonna we were gonna and she said he's gone to bed early okay now, there's an interesting dynamic here, and I didn't mention this, but Ray's going to mention it for me because it's very, it's very common, and I frequently tell guys to do this. Ray from Kentucky. Hi, Ray. Hi, Dr. Ray. How you doing? Okay, sir. So you noticed something about the motive for Dad's discipline?
3: Uh, I think he's trying to protect his wife, and, and she needs to respect that. I, I think he has senses that, um, you know, little boys can be holy terrors and they will walk over anybody they look at is weak. And sometimes it takes a, a firm hand, I won't use the term strong, but a firm hand with him. And, uh, dad is, um, um, trying to protect his wife from future
1: abuse. Um, I think that she would, I think right now because the little guy is only five, uh, she naturally feels soft for him. He's only five years old. On the other hand, you're right. Uh, Dad is essentially, I think, and I'm just speculating because I don't know the dynamics, is stepping in to say, you're not going to do that to your mom. That's not going to happen. And it, it used to be in our culture before I think psychological correctness took over, it used to be that it was recognized that, by and large, the men, the guys, the husbands were a little less negotiable in discipline. That that used to be but, understood. Dad's speed limit's 20 and mom's 50. Okay, I got that. I didn't push on my dad like I pushed on my mom. That's just the way it was. I knew it. And, and I think what our callers, she sounds like a delightful mom, what she's learning is that, okay... As the kids get older, we're going to differ in the kind of consequences and discipline and structure and rules we want to put on them. How are we going to get around this? Well, it's a simple rule I gave her. Just the one who disciplines rules. That's easy enough. My wife would send the kids from the table for burping the alphabet, Ray. Now, I think every boy needs to know how to burp the alphabet. And if you can burp the alphabet without taking a breath all the way up to M, I'm impressive. Well, my wife just didn't like the alphabet burped at the table. Do you believe that? Jeez. So she said, no burping the alphabet at the table. And if you do, I'm sending you away from the table. Now, I wouldn't, but she did. Okay. But then she sent me away because I burped the alphabet, but I could only go up to to, uh, D. I couldn't go as far as some of the kids. Ray, thank you for a great comment. I appreciate it so much, my friend. Thank you. Uh, we're going to get to your comment. Jeremiah wants to speak a little bit and, uh, he wants to make a comment on, on scripture. Okay. Jeremiah, I'm going to take a break here and then I'm going to come back. But before I take a break, want to comment a little bit more. The situation happened in our family. Well, I'll tell you what, let me take the break, come back. I'll comment and then I'm going to go Jeremiah. This is Dr. Ray.
3: Relax. The doctor is in.
5: I'll send you my consultation fee.
4: We are called to defend life from the rally to the march. EWTN Television and Radio brings you live and complete coverage of the most important pro-life event of the year. Join us for the annual March for Life in Washington, D.C. Coverage begins Friday morning, 8 Eastern, on EWTN Television and Radio.
6: Catholic Connection with Teresa Tomio. That idea of suffering is one of the reasons many people either turn away from God or they ignore faith altogether because they cannot comprehend or wrap their heads around suffering and all the suffering in the world. This is an issue for you and it's it's an issue for all of us from time to time when we go through rough situations to say, "Lord, what do you want me to learn about suffering?" Ask the Lord to help you understand the meaning of suffering. God doesn't waste his time with anything. Whatever you go through, he will use if you allow him to use it. And you look at the greatest evil, right? The killing of God, Jesus, the Son of God on the cross. And what came out of that? Our salvation. Catholic Connections, Teresa Tomio. Weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern on EWTN Radio
3: You're listening to The Least Worst of The Doctor Is In with Dr. Ray Garendi. So please, no calls at this time.
1: Gonna hang ten. You know how they got that name? Apparently, I guess I haven't surfed. I I tried it once. I couldn't find a surfboard with training wheels. But apparently, when you surf, you have bare feet. I didn't know that. I I wore uh, my gym shoes. And you hang ten, you you put your toes over the front of the board. I guess that's a very hard maneuver. Bear Wozniak would know more about that. Before I go to Jeremiah, illustrates something I was talking about. That there's a certain instinctual pushing upon women more than men among boys. And the research says this. I'm not saying anything misogynist. The research says this. So... My son, John, was 17. I had left for a several-day engagement. Normally, uh, back in the early days of my speaking career, I didn't leave for more than a day or two or three at a time. Well, this particular time, it was a, a seven-day excursion. I forget why. About the third day, my son, John, came downstairs at 11.30. And clearly he had not been to bed yet. And my wife said, Johnny, what are you doing up? It's 1130. Go to bed, son. And She didn't say okay. He looked at her and just stopped. He didn't move. She told me later, Ray, I saw it flicker across his eyes. Dad's not here. I'm five inches taller than you and 70 pounds heavier. You can't really make me go to bed. Now, he didn't say any of that, but she said, I saw it flickering in his eyes. And she said, John, you need to go to bed, son. So he slowly backed up the stairs. She told me later when I came home, Ray, I have authority. But that young man at age 17 looked at his Five foot three, one 120-pound mother, and thought, wait a minute, where are you ordering me around? Now, anybody who says that's not going to happen, it can. I'm not saying it happens all the time. It can. And that's where the presence of a guy is often so very important in situations like that. And I've seen so many guys surrender. Surrender, like our, our previous caller Ray said, surrender the virtue, I call it virtue, of protecting their wives. Jeremiah has a comment on that. Hello, Jeremiah.
3: Yes, sir. I do have a comment on that. BD, BD, uh, what's up, Doc? Thank you, sir. Hey, you know what? Much wealth, health, and prosperity to you and your family under the Christ Jesus. Thank you. You, you. you have pinpointed so well. Mm. And I love the fact that you don't hold that filter. Neither do I. Sir, you see, as, as men, we are, we are those, we are that restriction. But here it is. We have to look at ourselves, be the bad guys, while they look in, with a good face. And see, I find that hard as a father of a, a 21-year-old, a 22-year-old. And I did. I did. In home, fathering. So, what is a enlightenment to lighten my the bad guy?
1: Well, you can you know what it is, Jeremiah. You you can be a bad guy, then you can be a nasty bad guy. If you're a bad guy, because I, I, I don't do nasty well. Okay, I don't do nasty well. so then you're not a bad guy. They perceive you as a bad guy because you're trying to teach them with rules and limits, and they don't like that. Yeah. So yes. that's that's different. Yes, sir. So. I know my kids were growing up the same thing. It's like when we had to put rules and limits on them, they didn't like. They looked at us like, why why are you doing this? You don't need to do this.
3: But. You remember remember the time where, okay, we didn't have these phones and everything, but if you got the punishment, you had to go stand in the corner. Oh, yeah, I recommend a corner all the time. time. No, no, it wasn't a timeout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if your mouth was still loud, you might have some weight over your head. Well,
1: yeah, definitely parents were were much more um, forcible three generations ago. There's no question about that. Yes, sir. Uh, sir. I I oftentimes tell folks what past generations did, you know, paddling the bottom with a hairbrush or something like that, getting a switch, now would automatically get the parent accused of abuse, automatically. So you see how cultural shifts take place. In many respects, parents... Have, have swallowed the whole notion that you can consistently reason with children to get them to behave, and uh, that's a minority of kids. The majority of kids you are going to have to set limits and enforce them. I hope your 21- and 22-year-olds still
3: don't see you as the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, because they, they left, and uh, when they fled home, they fled home under the influence that, okay, when they're 18, that they're grown. I never, I never enforced that to them, but the incubator, aka the mother, uh, we we had, to, I, I had to deal with it because I did so many years raising them, and I and I wasn't in the state, and I had to find out that the state of mind that when I let her into the life of these children, she projected that, okay, well, I can teach you this, and I can teach you that. So you raised the
1: kids by yourself for a lot of years, and then their mother re-entered the scene and didn't like the way you were doing it.
3: She couldn't comprehend it at all, because I couldn't co-parent. It takes a parent to co-parent with a parent, and if you don't have a parent, then you're not co-parenting. Are they with her now? No. One of them is. The other one is world-bound. Okay.
1: You did the best you could, Jeremiah. You didn't set out, I'm sure, to uh, make your kids unruly and rebellious. You didn't set out to make your kids sever the relationship with you. You did the best you could. And if their mother has convinced them that you were the bad guy, and in the worst sense of the word, that is, then as they get taught by reality, as they get taught by life, they may realize inch by inch that Daddy knew something about good living. Jeremiah, thank you. I'm up against the clock. I appreciate your call, sir, very much. Okay, folks, I got to run. Don't have a whole lots of time here. Maybe 40 40 seconds. I caught myself saying okay two or three times during this program. We used to have a very, 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 very popular local radio host. Probably the the top show in Northeastern Ohio. Talk-wise, anyway. He said okay. I'd say after every other sentence. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm gonna take a look at this, okay? Now, I think what they need to do in a situation like that is to turn it all around, okay? That's how we spoke. And I pointed it out to somebody locally, and they said, I never noticed it. I listened, and you're absolutely right. So I said something about the fact that we don't notice that. I can't help it. i got to pay attention to the words people use. That's what shrinks do. Thanks for joining me so very much. I hope to see you in Billings, Montana next week. This is Dr. Ray. Walk with God.
0: Okay? For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit drray.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.